Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. Glenn, what was the top story for you today? Uh, top story today. I'm torn. It's either the Dow, the loss, uh, massive loss in the Dow today. Uh, but I think the loss of affection for one another, a new study that is out, is, is equally or more disturbing. All right, Stu. Um, as we kind of watch the world burn to the ground, uh, we should stop for a moment and realize that it actually doesn't suck as much as we think it does. Mm. Ooh, all right, Jason. I was just watching Glenn's uh, monologue on the show uh, today, and it got me thinking. And it's really easy to know, uh, if you follow the connections, uh, where this anti-Semitism is coming from in the Democratic Party. Mm. It's a slow, methodical, and deliberate infiltration. And I'm calling it now. If Bernie Sanders becomes president, that will be their endgame. Stu, uh, did you notice? Did you pick up on? <laughs> Jason always has to tell us how he came up with the idea for the topic. It's like a Jason, like a so copyright. I was listening to Glenn <laughs> yes, it's while always, I was he on always, my way to work. And I just happened to be her. driving. And <laughs> it's researcher language. <laughs> uh, obviously a lot to get into. First, I want to thank our sponsor, FreedomWorks. So, we all know that uh, D.C. liberals are trying to import socialism to America. They're, they're not quiet about it anymore. But what many don't know is that HHS Secretary Alex Azar is actually trying, uh, he's helping their cause by trying to let foreign countries dictate the prices of your medication. Doing this will obviously lead to shortages of vital medis medicines and set medical research back decades. Uh, and then it's going to make it harder for researchers to find cures for terrible diseases like diabetes, Alzheimer's, cancer. Um, I know I didn't sign up for foreign governments meddling with my health care. Did you? I'm thinking the answer is no. Thankfully, FreedomWorks is doing everything they can to sound the alarm and stop Azar's experiment in socialized medicine in its tracks. They cannot do it by themselves. They need your help. We are asking you to go to www.freedomworks.org news. Tell Secretary Azar to fix patients, not prices. Uh, obviously, tying the prices of your medicine to other countries does not put America first. It will leave countless Americans to die while they wait for treatments that may never be discovered, all thanks to these terrible regulations coming out of Azar's HHS department. We have got to fight this with everything we have. It's going to take every single person listening to do it. Go to www.freedomworks.org news and tell Secretary Azar to put America first. Fix patients, not prices. All right, Glenn. So uh, we're going to talk about the Dow dropping uh, tomorrow on radio and kind of go into the ramifications. And I don't know why the president is, is fooling with this. Um, but I think economies come and go. They go up and they go down. There is another pattern that repeats itself, and it repeats itself about every 80 to 100 years and it is a dangerous pattern, and it always comes back with socialism. And that is anti-Semitism and um, viewing people as vermin or less than human. I want to show you a poll that was done. It was actually a uh, paper that was written by a couple of researchers on lethal mass partisanship. Lethal mass partisanship. What they found... Just over 42% of the people in each party view the opposition as downright evil. Jeez. That means 48% of our country uh, believes that the, you know, the, the uh, our 48 million votes uh, in our country, our people say they're, they're, they are evil, evil. evil. 
Okay, gets worse. 20%, that's one out of uh, every five Republicans and Democrats, agree with the statement that their political adversaries lack the traits to be considered fully human. Jeez. Now, when you are not fully human, uh, that's what leads you to, as we talked about on the TV show today, that's why Louis Farrakhan calls Jews termites, because you exterminate termites. We know what happens when you dehumanize people. Um, next one. Do you think we'd be better off as a country if large numbers of the opposing party uh, died today? Okay. 20% of the Democrats, 16% of the Republicans think on occasion that the country would be better off if large numbers of the opposition just died. That's unbelievable. That is terrifying. Imagine like the process mentally of clicking yes to that poll or answering yes. I mean, that's not, it's got, the number's got to be higher. There's got to be some percentage who are thinking yes, but are not going to admit it. So there's a couple of things. One, give me, let me give you one last. What if the opposing party wins in 2020 in the presidential election? How much do you feel violence would be justified then? 18% of Democrats 13% of Republicans wow. say violence would be justified on a scale ranging from a little to a lot. Now, a <sighs> couple of things. First of all, extraordinarily dangerous trend. Mm -hmm. Second, if you look at it, and I want Stu, because you're such a numbers guy, I want you to take this report home tonight and really break it out. But what jumped out of the page to me is, again, in all of the ones where they are separating Republicans and Democrats, uh, the, the Democrats are the ones more filled with uh, mm. hatred, uh, dehumanizing traits, and violence. If you see on the, uh, would, it be, would it be best if, you know, the country would be better off if large numbers, large numbers of the opposition just died, that's 20% of Democrats and 16% of Republicans. Remember, what is it, 18 or 19 percent is the tipping point. So the Democrats are over it and the Republicans are approaching it. A tipping point of 20 percent of the American population is enough to steer us into genocide. This is really, really not good. Um, the idea that we are um, not fully human, that we are evil, if you look at this, and, and I want you to verify this tomorrow, Stu, but if you look at this, the, the party out of power is the most likely to say uh, that we should be violent. Mm -hmm. My theory is that that's not entirely true uh, because this is coming from the New York Times and they're writing their views of this study. And for the little that you did see, the left and right, it's consistently Republicans are lower than Democrats. That could be because the, the Republicans are in power, but it, it also could be that the Republicans are not socialists, mm -hmm. and socialists generally, it leads you to this kind of thinking and that kind of mass death. Yeah, because, I mean, if you go back to, you know, when... Republicans were not in power and you saw all of the the Tea Party 
movements. Get there off, uh, there get, wasn't get violence. Right. There wasn't violence in no. any of those. No. You have you have a uh, a group of people today. I I shared on radio that the um, the shooter in Colorado at the STEM school, the one of the shooters uh, was a, uh, had a long record of violence uh, and violent speech uh, against Republicans, hated Donald Trump, uh, and was was way down the road of of hate with politics and the 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 left as their cause um the partner the transgender individual that uh, shot up the school uh with him his father was an illegal alien who had been deported twice the the media does not report on their side we saw how they tried to make the the covington kids look like you know homicidal maniacs uh, but they are not talking about the real homicidal maniacs that do exist in America. And if it was on the right, I would call them out. I think the the Nazi neo Nazis are homicidal maniacs in in you know in practice. But that's not on the right. That I believe is on the left. The left has them, and it, it is in his, his, historically speaking. It is always from the socialist left in the last 150 years. Reminds me of a Pew Research uh, poll that they did uh, like three years ago. And it showed this, this graph. It showed the, basically Republicans or the left and the right in two big balls. And it showed that uh, the, the, the Republicans and Democrats, they were pretty close to each other. And there was a big middle ground uh, all the way up through like the mid-90s. Mm -hmm. But that, to, that, and that's how it looked like in the, in the 90s. They were, they were overlapped. The extremes were relatively small. Um, but sometime in the 2000s, those begin to radi radically go apart from each other at a crazy speed to today. They are pretty much fully separate. And uh, they traced when that uh, split occurred, and it was late 2004. And I thought that was interesting. I went through and looked at some of the things that might have been springing up around That's then. Cindy Sheehan time, Michael Moore. Mm. Facebook came mm. in 2004. Yeah. Then you started getting Snapchat. You started getting Twitter, all that stuff, literally within a year of each other. And Pew Research kind of called it out. They said this ideological silos. Like we're, we're, we're being ideologically siloed. We're getting put into echo chambers. Now it's like radically put it, push it. We're not, we don't read the other side's viewpoint. It's easy to dehumanize when we don't even listen to them. Well, the, the, there is a problem, though, that, I mean, I don't feel I've changed. And I don't feel, generally speaking, generally speaking, the constitutional conservative has changed. What I'm standing for today is pretty much the same thing that, you know, George Washington and others were standing for. Um, what's changed is the left has gone to the brink of insanity. I mean, where you're talking about abortion five minutes prior to, that's not even reasonable. How can I, how can I compromise with somebody on that? You're talking about the end of the free market system. How can I compromise on that? You can compromise on, we should spend a little more on welfare, we should spend a little less on you know, war or whatever. But we're talking about a group of people now that I haven't really moved to an extreme. The culture and the left has dragged us to this extreme position that is being held in the media that makes me look extreme, but no, 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 I haven't moved. 
Mm. Most Americans, I don't think, have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, still, apparently, a lot of us think that uh, we're in very dire times. Uh, from what Glenn is yeah. saying, but you're saying that's not true. Well, I mean, it's true in that sense, I think, completely, right? I mean, I think that's it's very true that we are separating that way, and, and I think that discourse and a lot of that stuff is really negative right now, and that's what's why I'm kind of bringing this up today, because it's frustrating. We, we, we over time, uh, begin to totally lose contact with what we're all sort of like moving towards. And I think if we would have pitched these sorts of things, these sorts of results 10 or 15 or 20 or 50 years ago, we would have been thrilled and would have signed up in a second. Probably thought they were all impossible. Let me give you some of the breakdowns. We'll start with the old timey ones uh, and we'll move a little bit more current. Again, should you be so negative if this is your reality? Life expectancy in 1870 was 30 years old. Uh, today, yeah, that's pretty. I mean, it's relatively late. Today, it's 72, and and improving uh, quickly. It's much higher in 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 uh, the more uh, advanced countries. Uh, next up, we have a percentage in extreme poverty. In 1820, 90% lived in extreme poverty. Today, that number is 10%. Wow, a huge full reversal. Yeah. Full reversal. Um, next up, we have uh, let's see, the literacy percentage. Um, in 1800, 88% of people no, couldn't read. Uh, today, that number is 13%. Uh, again, an, a massive, massive improvement. Not perfect. We want it to be 0%, but again, uh, a massive and improvement. And this is across the world or the country? Uh, a globe, globally, yes. Um, child death before the fifth birthday. I mean, think about this one for a second. Wow. In 1800, we lived in a world where 43% of all children born died before the age of five. Like, that is an incomprehensible world to me. Think about how we reacted, and rightfully so, to Sandy Hook, right, where first graders were gunned down in, in that horrible, horrible attack. Like, that was the norm. I mean, I, that was like the regular life for everybody. Maybe not in that violent way, but that's what happened. That their kids. children yeah, died. Kids, yeah, you just expected when you had kids, a bunch. You know, probably about half of them were going to die before they turned five. Well, that's changed uh, considerably, as you may know. Now it's down to 4%, from 43 to 4 uh, we also have, let's see, what's next? A uh, percentage that has access to democracy, some level of control over their own government. In 1816, it was 0.87%. And you historians out there might know where those people lived. There was about one place on earth where it actually existed. Canada? <laughs> yes, Canada. Venezuela? <laughs> yeah, Venezuela is where it was. Today, it's 56%. Again, not... I would like it to be 96 or 100, uh, but it, it, a lot of progress there. And democracy is is Venezuela as well today. It depends on if I, I, I certainly would include that, and I, I did not go through the methodology yeah. to see how much. I mean, I don't think you include obviously do, uh, Venezuela. I would be surprised I if, if they, they did as well. 56 percent is, I mean, you know, considering you have 20 percent of the world's population basically living in China, yeah. like you're in a you're, you're starting from a, a deficit. Um, but I mean, it's still it's much improved um, now. But that's a lot of people would say, okay, yes, we all know things have gotten better since the 1800s. Like, we have electricity now, we have phones now, this is no big, uh, you know, uh, thing. However, let's look for much more recent history. This is since the year 2000. So the turn of the century, how have things improved? Uh, GDP per person is up 52% across the globe. Infant mortality rate is down 38% across the globe. Uh, undernourished population is down 27% across the globe. The maternal mater uh, mortality rate uh, down 36% across the globe. And extreme poverty is down 55%. And you have to put an asterisk by that one because that's a 2011 number. It's almost certainly improved much more than that since. These are things that, like, legitimately should lead the news every day. Well, they, they should be the things that everyone should look at somebody who says, we've got to abandon the free market system 
and everyone should go, um, yeah, excuse me. How do you justify that with these kinds of changes in the globe? And that quickly, right? I mean, we're talking since George W. Bush was president, when we've gone through a massive recession here, you know, in the United States and globally. I mean, it's been worse globally than it was here. Um, I will throw in one more thing, uh, which is, you know, to tie it to the news of today uh, is one of the main, I would argue, the largest cause for all of those improvements you've seen uh, is free trade. And the fact that we are looking at reversing that um, is a real negative. Forget the election. Forget our, uh, you know, our uh, economy here, which has, I believe, also been very uh, you know, helped by free trade over the years. Um, the global p- picture is is a miracle. And, and I think the largest chunk of that, there's spread of capitalism, which is a big part of that. There's, uh, you know, certain moves towards democracy and freedom that have, have contributed as well. But I mean, I really think free trade is the number one thing that is responsible for those changes when it comes to, you know, human economic policy. May I ask you a question? Um, uh, when it comes to free trade, I am totally with you. However, China building concentration camps and we're not doing it for any of these reasons but Mm -hmm. china we shouldn't be doing as much business with china as we are they are in slave labor they are building concentration camps they are trying to take over the world with information and make it a police state where they control all the information it is a different situation with china isn't it should we not be doing things yeah i mean quickly i think i think I don't think this is the right approach to, to do something. I, you're right. They do things that I do not approve of. Um, however, you know, this is, uh, I don't think this would be the right way to attack it. We can go into this longer and more depth at another time. We have more time. Yeah. All right. Back in a minute. Hashtag Terrifageddon is what you're saying. Before we move on, I want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. Um, Relief Factor has done wonders for me. I have neck uh, issues, back issues from a car accident, and I tried everything under the sun because I was just in constant pain, and it's the only thing that has done any sort of difference uh, for me. Glenn, I know it's worked wonders for you as well. Yeah, I don't make cortisol anymore. My body just doesn't make cortisol, so uh, it, that's a really interesting experience, and my doctors have told me about a year ago don't exercise. You cannot exercise. And I'm like, uh, that's not good. Um, and now I'm exercising. I exercised again today and feel really, really good. I still don't make cortisol, but boy, I can handle the pain uh, every day because I started taking Relief Factor. Uh, you can go to relieffactor.com right now. Get the three-week quick start pack. It's nineteen ninety-five. 70% of the people who buy that go on to keep buying it. It's working for the majority of people. It can work for you. You don't have to live in constant pain. Go to relieffactor.com. All right, Jason. The anti-Semitism coming out of the Democratic Party is absolutely insane right now. Uh, they're not even trying to hide it. Uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, you were talking about that a little bit on your show, Glenn. Um, but... You know, I, I kind of I was looking back and seeing where a lot of this started to materialize, and a lot of it began in the Obama administration. There, there was times before that, but it really hit a fever pitch during the Obama administration. And I started looking at some of the things that was going on then. The Center for, Center for American Progress was, was probably the biggest influencer, I think, on the Obama administration. Would you guys agree with yeah, that? Um, uh, if, and, and people don't know, they're a liberal think tank. Um, before, it was probably Heritage Foundation was probably the biggest one that had the most influence. For Republicans, yeah. For Republicans, Going back to Reagan, yeah. sure. And, and, but Center for American Progress has really taken the lead for uh, people like Obama. Yeah, they, they wrote the 
uh, the uh, stimulus bill and they wrote the health care bill, really. They were the main architects behind them. Um, I went back and looked at a few things that the Senate American Progress was doing uh, around that time. And so around about 2012, the Obama administration actually had to take a step back from them because they were like, uh, people were starting to point out that there was some writers for them that were writing some anti-Semitic things. A lot of this stuff just pretty much got brushed under the rug. Not too many people, do you guys even remember that? No. A lot of people didn't even, had, had no clue. Looked into a little bit more, and I found that there was a, a, a leaked email that a, a Jewish post, I believe, got, got a hold of. And they actually got someone that was with the Center for American Progress and admitted, okay, yeah, there's, uh, and this is, this is an internal email, that admitted that, yeah, okay, uh, what they're saying out in public is anti-Semitic. I'm just basically going to tell them not to do this anymore. So um, he didn't fire them. He didn't do anything else. Just basically said, tone down what you have. And actually, mm -hmm. what, what he was criticizing was what one of them had on their Twitter account, like, bio page. So he was like, okay, yeah, just, just I, I've counseled him and, and we're moving on. That guy, his name is uh, Faiz Shakir. And uh, Faiz Shakir, is, um, he was a vice president with Center of American Progress. He actually uh, created Think Progress, which was their internet you know, mm, uh, yeah, uh, mouthpiece really for it. Vile. Um, he created that, but he's also, he's a very big wig. He was a senior advisor for Nancy Pelosi. He was a senior advisor for Harry Reid. He was uh, he moved on to be the political director at the ACLU, um, who have also kind of moved in some weird uh, directions lately, even, even more uh, as of late. Um, and I lo started looking into uh, Fees a little bit more. Fees uh, Shakir uh, was he went to Harvard, and he, while he was at Harvard, he was a member of the uh, Harvard Islamic Society. Uh, I've got a, uh, I think this is the, the article here that I looked up. The Harvard Islamic Society back in 2000 when he was there, um, they hosted a lot of uh, Muslim Brotherhood uh, type people. Uh, he also co-chaired while he was there a, a fundraiser for the Holy Land Foundation, um, which, uh, I'm sorry, uh, co-chaired a yeah, fundraiser for the Holy Land Foundation. And um, for people that don't know who they are, they were the ones that were caught by the FBI, designated as a terror organization. Their, their job was to funnel and raise money to, to send to Hamas to fight and kill Jews. At basically. the same time, CARE's job was to be the U.S. PR firm that could separate the Holy Land Foundation and Hamas and say, oh, that's Islamophobia. So they were all in it together. One year later, after that article was published that I just showed, they were designated as a, as a terror group. This guy knew exactly who he was fundraising for. I don't buy for a second that he didn't know. He knew exactly who it was. I looked in a little bit more, and he also uh, uh, co-wrote this thing called Fear Incorporated, which was a, a report sent out to try and say that, look, Islamophobia is, and this is not a direct quote, but it's almost a direct quote, it says, Islamophobia is the product of a Jewish conspiracy. Uh, he uh, liked to write favorably about multiple uh, Muslim Brotherhood heads. One, in, uh, this one right here, this Rashid uh, Ganashi. Ganashi. Uh, he's the head of the Muslim Brotherhood in Tunisia. This is what, something he said. There are no civilians in Israel. in Israel. The population, males, females, and children, are the army reserve soldiers and thus can be killed. Mm. Absolutely insane. Now, this is the guy working for Center for American Progress, who was working for the ACLU. Um, and if you think things are bad now, guess where he's at now? He's the campaign manager for Bernie Sanders. Mm. Wow. wow. That's who this guy is.
Oh my I haven't God. seen a single person talk about this guy and what his the ties he has, the people he's hung out with, and the mm-hmm. actions he's actually done. They're just moving on to business as usual. Now you wonder why people like Nancy Pelosi invites a Muslim Brotherhood affiliated cleric to come give a uh, speech or a prayer in Congress. They're like, where'd that come from? Well, her her senior advisor was this Faiz Shakir guy. That's unbelievable. It all fits together. It all fits together. We have to start exposing these people, pointing out who they are, shedding a light on them. That's the only way we're going to be able to stop this. All right. Back in a minute. Jason, as you heard, just uncovered something huge that is not being reported on anywhere in the mainstream media. That is why Blaze TV is so important right now. If you have not subscribed, you can go to blazetv.com and use promo code NEWS. You will get $10 off of your annual subscription. This is, this is huge. No one's hearing it. You're not going to hear this kind of thing unless you are members, unless you, unless you subscribe. So go there now, and Overtime starts next. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Jason, we're just talking about uh, anti-Semitism and how it's, you know, um, becoming quite rampant in uh, the Democratic Party right now. So I want to get into some comments that Rashida Tlaib made. Um, But first, we want to thank our sponsor, realestateagentsitrust.com. So as it turns out, um, it's not always the guy on the bench with Mm -hmm. his picture plastered on the bench where people put their butts that you should trust when you go to make the biggest investment in your in your whole life. Is that do I have that right, Stu? Yeah, I think so. I think a um, place where people sit is not necessarily a great target uh, mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, you think about like the important things that you have. Uh, you know, we, we do a lot of that. We like we hi- a lot of times we hire lawyers. A lot of sitting. <laughs> a lot of no, a lot of lawyers mm-hmm. we hire from benches. We hire accountants from benches. Like I feel like we should just like I don't know, maybe I don't mean be anti bench advertising, but. I don't know. It seems I'm like anti-bench. yeah. It seems like maybe it was could be a good place for a cushion commercial or a bed <laughs> commercial. But like, I feel like lawyers. Why? Why? Um, yeah, realestateagentsitrust.com is a much better path because you actually get some screening done. You get to go through and find the best agent in your area. And if you're moving from one place to another, you don't have anybody there that you know. You're going to be able to get a, the best real estate agent in that area without. You know, being able to being won over by someone you uh, met at a coffee shop or that your friend's cousin's brother's former roommate knows. Uh, so, realestateagentsitrust.com. You should be screening these people. I mean, this is a, the biggest investment you'll ever make in your entire life, most likely. Uh, so, why not make sure you're doing it with the right person? Yep. You can go to realestateagentsitrust.com if you are looking to buy or sell your home. All right. So, Jason, Rashida Tlaib. Yeah, uh, like you said, this is—it's like mainstream now. It's—it's it's not only rampant; it's mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like they don't even try to hide it. And I—I I don't know. I mean, I—it sounds like the the people that are in their districts are actually fiercely loyal to them for saying things like this. But um, it's a lot more than you know, just saying—I don't know—parroting something that Kara would say, you know, from the congressional halls. It's now they're actually trying to rewrite history mm-hmm. to make it seem that. What happened didn't actually happen, or to cover up things that you know that that may be embarrassing to them. But um, yeah, Rashida Tlaib went on a podcast and she had some interesting things about the Holocaust and how Palestinians treated Jews. 
you know, there's a kind of a calming feeling I always tell folks. When I think of the Holocaust and the tragedy of the Holocaust and the fact that it was my ancestors, Palestinians, who lost their land and some lost their lives, their livelihood, the human dignity, um, their existence in many ways have been wiped out on some people's passport. I mean, just all of it was in the name of trying to create a safe haven for Jews post um, the Holocaust, post the tragedy and horrific um, persecution of Jews ac across the world at that time. And I love the fact that it was my ancestors that provided that, right, in many ways. Um, but they did it in a way that took their human dignity away, right? And it was forced on them. Jason's about to break a coffee cup over here. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> Would you like to fact check this? Well, I'm not sure if she actually just doesn't know history or she's really trying to rewrite it. Mm -hmm. Because that's I, there's so many things wrong with, with that. I don't even know where to start. Um, the... The homeland for the Jews, I mean, okay, let's just start. It's, first of all, thousands of years ago, you're going to have to go back in history. But that's too much of an inconvenient truth that she's not going to want to talk about that. But the Balfour Declaration, I think 1917, is when this first, this, this project of getting Jews back to their homeland began. And the British came out and said, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're proposing a two-state solution. You know, everyone can live in peace. Her ancestors rejected that. They rejected that, and then they got violent and attacked Jews. Um, Post-Holocaust, that's when I almost threw my, that's insane. So post-Holocaust, we're talking about right after World War II. Uh, the, the Jews um, uh, declared, you know, they, they had their, their nation declared. They finally could move on. And again, a two-state solution was proposed. They rejected it again. And not only did they reject it, and I think it was 1948, they attacked them right after the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. They just had to endure. It was a PR of that maneuver. I mean, jeez. Right. Like, how, does that, how do you? So how can you say something like that and not get slammed? Yeah. That's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Not to mention the fact that, I, and, and I think, well, like uh, just two decades later, those same actors, the entire Arab world, attacked them again. There's, they shouldn't be there. They should have been wiped out in both cases. But I truly believe divine intervention stepped in and God said, no, you're not messing with my people anymore. I, I mean, but this is this type of, I'm not going to call it ignorance, this type of just blatant lying mm -hmm. and subterfuge and attempt to rewrite history is absolutely ridiculous. See, that's, absolutely. What, that's what you're saying. Um, at, at the beginning, you said, I'm not sure if it's ignorance or if she's truly trying to rewrite history. But it, it, seems, it, seems it seems like you like are kind of sure. No, yeah, I'm saying it now. I, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, she's deliberately trying to rewrite history. Yeah. She has to know. She has to know this. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, I don't know yet with her. I mean, I, I think because, like, she's in the same group with Omar and AOC, this new sort of class yeah, of extremist. Yeah, but she's not stupid like But AOC. I think I, I don't know, like, how do you know that? I mean, honestly, like, I mean, it, the only reason, the only difference between them and the things that they say is that she looks refined and intelligent when saying it, and Ocasio-Cortez seems like an idiot. But, I mean, that's just our perception. Like, that I don't know that she has any more information than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. No, she's still helping. speaking skills. Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, she's like more, she comes off as more studious and, mm -hmm. I think, pro professorial. Um, but that does not mean that she's smart. <laughs> like, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gap there. Um, but it, it could be. And I, I don't, um, I don't know, and I don't know enough to know whether whether she's just ignorant. And I mean ignorant as far as like someone who lives in the sort of uh, uh, intellectual silo of 
Jews are bad all the time, and uh, and that uh, you know Muslims are always the victim, and you know she, she's she's probably on the Center for American Progress and Think Progress all the time, and she's being fed that all the time, and she she she, she does seem like this whole cra- uh, crop of Congress people seem like a, a a real product of the move from sort of broadcasting to narrowcasting. We're like you're right, like she's very popular in her district, and that's the reason why she's saying these things. She doesn't need to, uh, you know to please anyone else unless she wants to run for president one day, which I'm sure she doesn't, or she may want to, but she's not going to win. Um, so, like, I think part of that is instead of people trying to, uh, being willing to step off of their ideology, like we've seen with Democrats forever, Barack Obama, I want the single-payer system. I want it. This is where I want to get. Oh, I would never want the single-payer system when he gets to a larger audience. Like, he's, these people are narrow-casting to a very small slice of a population, and they're being able to be assisted by, uh, you know, organizations in the media and think tanks that are, are, are pitching that sort of thing, and I think it helps them. You know, and I'll say the same thing for us. Like, I, like if, I, if, if, if my congressman came out right now and said, I want, I want to repeal the 16th Amendment and no income tax, I would be much more passionate about them than whoever I have that says, I want to lower it from 39% to 35 Like, I, there is something appealing to that. And I think, I think people on that side of the aisle do have the same sort of tendencies. Like, we are now, with narrow casting, you want passion. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not just generalized support like the old days where like you'd want to get the biggest audience of people who kind of cared. Now you want want, uh, whatever audience you can get, but you want them to be hardcore and passionate about whatever you're doing. So I think that's part of it. And I'll say like as far as the comment itself goes, like I think there is a line where you can go too far with getting excited about it. Like, I, you know, I've heard the way that Republicans have summarized it. And like even Scalise, I think, said this, which was, you know, look, uh, what she said was the Holocaust gives her a calming feeling. I mean, like, that's not a fair interpretation of what she's saying. Like, she's making a terrible point, and she's so far in her own silo, she doesn't realize it's terrible, which is really, I think, the most interesting thing there. It's the same thing with the 9-11 Omar statement, where she said, uh, 9-11, some people did something. Like, that wasn't, to me, a thing where she was saying, uh, 9-11 was nothing. It was her not having any connection to the event. Like, she had no connection to the tragedy. And the same thing here with Tlaib. She does not connect with that event at all. She just looks at it as like, well, you know, like that was a really bad thing for the Palestinians when they when they lost their land. And yeah. it's like we know the, the historical problems with that statement. But it's almost also she just there's yeah. no connection to the tragedy. It's this far away event. It's 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 the, it's the other that it's happening to her calming. That's a sense I got her calming feeling. She was saying in basically the history. Yeah, she, she was she's she almost trying because, to say it positively. Yeah, because of how how much we did. Although I don't that calming feeling. Like there's just <laughs> no reality. In all. No, no, not I mean, at all. I'm not trying to claim that. <laughs> Leader of Palestine at the time went and allied went to Nazi Hitler. Germany and allied with Hitler. <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying recruited it's a- Muslims into the Waffen SS. Yeah, she's trying to spin this like well, that Jason. as a wonderful <laughs> gift. Like <laughs> minor detail. I mean, Jews wanted a homeland, and the Palestinians were like, "I've got a birthday gift for you. Here it is." <laughs> like that is not how that went down at all. Another another thing that's tragic about this is like she's saying this, but people that again, if we talk about ideological silos, we were talking about before, they're not even listening to this podcast right now to get the actual history. Yeah. Like that, that's yeah. very easy to fact check what we yes. just said. It's in a history book. It's yeah. in a high school history book. But they're not listening to that. They're only getting these talking points like on center, you know, thinkprogress.com mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and the other things they say, like they were t- uh, talking about a one-state solution 
which again is not a solution at all because the one state solution basically says, you know, West Bank, Gaza, Israel, they're all in one one state. And that's exactly what they want because they know it's a war of attrition. They have more people. There's a, Jews are the minority there. That, that's why they call them an apartheid state. That's why they want more uh, representation uh, in the state because of that, because they will overwhelm them. And what happens every time Jews become the minority and they're not in control of their own destiny anymore? Yep. Bad things always happen. Yep. Unbelievable. Uh, I want to touch on something that's happening in Texas that we have talked about before on this show uh, concerning the Texas Advanced Directives this Act. Is insane. Yeah, we, we've talked about this in the past. It is the the law. We call it the 10-day rule. So it's basically the law that hospitals, for any reason, at any time, can determine that uh, taking care of one of their patients is uh, futile and just decide to pull the plug if they've got life-saving equipment that they're hooked up to. This is happening right now. There is a woman named Carol. Johnson. She's 61. And since she suffered a stroke a while back, she had been in rehab facilities. She had been doing well. She was slowly recovering, making progress. Every once in a while, she needed a ventilator um, to breathe. She had a feeding tube. But I mean, this is a woman who was alert. She was responsive. She was conscious um, or she has been. And the ethics committee for this hospital, which happens to be the same hospital in Houston that we've looked at before that has invoked this rule, determined that uh, she taking care of her was uh, it was futile. And they've determined that today is the day that they need to pull the plug. Um, so as we are taping right now, I, I know that this was supposed to take place this afternoon. The family had tried everything that they could. They had tried to go to court. They even had three other facilities that were ready to take Carolyn. So it's not like they were out of op. They have three other facilities that mm. said, we will accept her into our care. We will take care of her, but it's going to cost $30,000 just to move her because of all the equipment that she's hooked up to. And the hospital is doing everything they can to, you know, um, put objects in the, the family's way every single time they try to move this on. This is happening in Texas, you guys. I don't know how much more clear it can get that society has just completely lost the value of life. Mm, I mean, that's amazing. I, I never understand these stories when you, you end them with uh, there's three other facilities that were willing to take them. Like, look, I, I, there's an argument to be made, and it's a dark argument that, you know, a, a hospital is acting in its own financial best interests, and they do what they can, and they think there's no more hope. Like, you know, should they be forced to keep them there forever? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, it's, it's... But they don't have to give it... Under this law, they don't have to give any reason. They don't have to state, yeah. like, this is the particular Seems reason like why we... If there's yeah. a dispute over it, first of all, for sure, there should be some formal process. And they shouldn't impede them going somewhere right. else. Right, that's that, the part I really right. don't get, though. I mean, like, w there's no reason. why. And, like, if if there's a financial reason, well, then the, com the family or the insurance company may need to pay for it. And, like, it, it, as dark and cold and calculated as it is, hospitals are trying to, A, run a business, and B, also, um, and, you know, more importantly, uh, trying to keep you spend their resources as wisely as possible and they should have some control over how they do that though you know when there's another facility who's going to keep you know the someone alive it's like you know it's it, we've said this before we said it last week when we were having the conversation about uh, abortion it's like why would we not err on the side of life mm -hmm. if you can't tell me the exact minute this thing turns into a baby in your eyes and you think oh it could be five minutes there it could be five minutes there who knows it could be a month before it could be a month later why wouldn't you err on the side of life just err, err on the side of life. Just err there, because if you make a mistake, then someone lives, and that's not that bad. Well, how about the story uh, just recently that there was someone who was in a, wasn't it a woman who was in a coma for like 27 years or something, mm -hmm. and just recently woke up? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, these things happen. If you go back to the radio show today, uh, we, we had a conversation, some of the stuff that I talked about as far as the, you know, the world improving and stuff, we were talking about that. And it led Glenn to a point he was making about his daughter, who's been gone through mm-hmm. incredibly advanced uh, brain treatment because she has uh, really bad seizures. And so they have gone now, and I mean, he, to hear him explain it, it's like a 10-minute explanation of just what they're trying to do, which is like find the exact parts of the brain, mapping it in real time where she, the seizures start, which does that conflict with what the parts of the brain she uses to think of uh, certain cognitive uh, aspects of, of her brain? Um, and it goes through this whole thing, and like they are doing stuff that sounds like science fiction to me. I mean, it sounds like you know, to the point of like they're the one of the treatments is they put probe uh, like a, a, a little like almost like a pacemaker inside the brain. So when a seizure is coming on, it detects the seizure, releases a pulse, and eliminates the seizure before she even knows it's coming on. Wow. Like think of that. Like where will this every person who's in a coma now in ten or fifteen years will have the opportunity to be brought out of it by these medical advancements, and we're just letting them die. Yeah, you know, like. I, again, like I understand that there are, it's not the easiest black and white issue here. I understand at some level the argument from the hospitals, but like, why would the law state that you know you, that they get sole responsibility and then they they can prevent the family from bringing them somewhere else? That makes absolutely no sense. And, but and it really doesn't make sense though. If, if it, even if they're in the facility and like if their argument is they're taking up space and we need to, I don't I don't know. But even if if if, uh, if the money is still coming in, I don't know why where they yeah. have any. That, it doesn't hurt them at all. You know, that, yeah. I mean, you know, look, the resources are, it's not just money, right? It's, it's people and it's, it's your right space too. I mean, there's other, they're getting paid for, you know, well, I mean, they're not, it's, it's not a free, right, so, but you might not have right. a staff that's large. I mean, like, I do know that they arguments. were, I do know that the family was trying to, um, get Medicaid coverage. So they were scrambling to try right, to get so Medicaid they made, coverage. So the money may, may have been a problem. Right. Um, I would also say too, like it, a hospital is, you know, people working at a hospital also have their autonomy, right? Like they can make decisions on their own if they think, if they're like, look, this is not going to happen, and you can try to take them somewhere else if you want, but we're not going to do this anymore. We want to spend our resources on people we think we can help. Like, that is, they should have a role in that decision. Like, I mean, it's their facility. They're doing the work. Um, I do think that that's okay. It's just that when it comes down to the idea that you would prevent them from trying to seek treatment somewhere else, that just gets to psych- psychopathic levels there. I mean, like, there's no reason to do that, whether you think the person can live or not. You know, it's not your decision to make. You know, your, your decision to be involved in the treatment is one thing. Your, your decision to stop them from getting treated somewhere else is something else. Yeah. Well, uh, I just have to say, if anyone thinks that Medicare for All is going to somehow make these things oh, gosh. better... You have nowhere to run to. You don't yeah. have the other facility to go to. Yep. You got another thing coming because this is going to happen more and more frequently if we get Medicare for All. Is there It'll all be about the bottom dollar. Is there a GoFundMe or anything for her? Right, I haven't right seen one. I haven't seen one. I will double- the story. We've got to give this stuff for radio tomorrow. Yeah, it, I'll double check. Assuming um, she makes it through the night. I mean, God only knows at this point. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm, it's like I'm waiting to get to finish so that I can go and, and yeah. follow up and see um, if there's any updates on it yet. We've got to get this law changed. Like, I tweeted I at uh, Governor Abbott today. I mean, I'm sure he knows that he must know about this. Yeah. Oh, yes. But th- there was uh, no one's talking about this. Yeah. Even in the uproar of like the, you know, the all the UK stuff, like they still weren't even talking about our own laws what? that we were just pointing accusatorily yeah. at them. But. And before all of the UK stuff came on the scene that we really started talking about it, Charlie Gard and Alfie Evans and all of them, we had uh, Chris Dunn, who was in yeah. Houston, same place, same hospital. Same thing happened to him. There was video of him waving mm-hmm. and saying he pleading, he didn't want to die. And they did it to him too. So, I mean, this Incredible. has been happening for a while and the media is just not covering it. It has to be 
some sort of amendment here to this. I mean, I, I understand that like they want to give hospitals some control and, and health care costs can get really high. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you could probably keep you know, half of people who die, you could keep them alive on machines forever uh, or at least a very long time. So there has to be some limits or some uh, some control for the hospital. But we got to get it to the point where you should be able to seek treatment wherever you want. Yeah. I'm always surprised. Like, I, it seems like this is one of the more freer states, you know, in the union. And it is in most aspects. It, it is in most, in most aspects. But like, how are we not, how, how did Georgia beat us to the heartbeat bill? That's insane. Oh, yeah. I Why mean, is that not done here yet? There are some That's weird ridiculous. examples. I mean, I, you know, I would throw the, the Tesla dealership situation is mm. bizarre. The, uh, you know, the gambling, I think, is bizarre. Like, I, I, how are these others? How is New Jersey legalizing these things? And we're like, <laughs> oh, I, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's too much for people to handle to bet $10 on a football game. Yeah. Like, that sort of stuff is just crazy to me. Bible Belt, I think, kind of. I know, but still, I mean, belt. I think, like, we get into those... Whether we think something is right or wrong, do we think central government is the way to solve it? If, gov- if gambling is wrong, then you should you know, act, try to you know, work hard to try to stop people from doing it. Just making it illegal, first of all, it doesn't stop anybody. I don't know if anyone's noticed this. It doesn't work. But secondly, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's not, if, you don't, if you believe central government is the answer for things, well, then you can apply it to every problem you think is wrong. But that's what progressives do. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. Uh, our prayers go out, of course, to Carolyn and her family. All right. Friday's poll, should Trump pick a new VP for 2020 or stick with Pence? Such a bizarre question. Like, is this a thing that's going on? 89% unshockingly said Pence. 11% said new VP, though. I'm kind of surprised that it was even that high. Yeah, I haven't heard any controversy on Pence. Like, he seems like he's just sits, like, look, and I would have a criticism of Pence uh, at some level for this, but he just seems like he kind of sits back and does his thing and doesn't really get involved in stuff. I mean, behind the scenes, there's some, he's had some good results, I think, but he very much stays out of the public eye, so I don't know why there would be any pushback for him having a new, you know, I haven't heard anybody saying that. Yeah, me either. Uh, Today's poll, should Rashida Tlaib be censured for her Holocaust comments? Let us know what you think. I just, they're just gonna... Yeah. Just slap on the wrist. They're not going to do They're it. Not gonna no. do that. No. This they, be, because if they were going to, they would have done it already. Yeah, and you need more. It has to be really overt for them yeah. to do anything. They have to be embarrassed. And really, the Ilan Omar's, you know, when she's doing stuff like, you know, the stuff she did with on Twitter as far when it comes to Jews, it was so over the line. Like, that, that the comment here is... is you could take it a couple different ways, and they have ways to defend it. It has to, it has to be an overwhelming amount of them, and now, it has to be so blatant. Yeah, but, you, I mean, you have to also consider how many times this has happened before, that it's like, yeah, that's okay, why, she's made enough weird comments that yeah. probably it's not a coincidence. And that's what got to Omar eventually, yeah. right? E- even though it was a very light censure, it was an issue. They had right. to at least acknowledge it. Um, you know, and again, and because this is the, the strangest thing about this, and you bring this up, as it's been going on for a while, They've got like 75% of Jewish voters. Like, so like why this is a, a, pro, like a, a priority for Democrats right now is very strange. I mean, I, it doesn't make sense on the normal political access. It seems like there's something else at work there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's frightening. Yeah. Let us know what you think at The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. We'll see you tomorrow. I will see you tomorrow. I will be Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.